The Cleveland Browns, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys, your host here, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, all the new listeners and everybody this month looked at it. just continues to be a kick-ass month over here, guys. Obviously, a lot of energy from all you fans. I'm energized, so we're feeling pretty good. But look, uh, we're getting closer and closer, and you know, don't expect. There's no expected Ws. We still got a game here on Sunday with an Oakland Raider team that's certainly very capable and certainly needing of a win. So let's not get too excited just yet. Uh, I have a guest here who is one of my favorite guys. Uh, look, guys, like I told you, you know, when we were pushing the athletic and obviously doing some advertising with them. They've gone with a great direction because they've gone with guys who write. They go with guys within the pieces. They're giving you plays. They're breaking them down. You're getting the film with the article. And this is just another one of those guys over at the uh, – he's with the Athletic NFL. Does a fantastic job with it. Ted Wynn joining me here for the first time on Locked On Browns. Ted, thank you so much for your time here tonight, bud. Oh, thanks for having me on. Excited to talk some football. Absolutely. Look, you know, and like we and Ted were just saying before we hit the record button, look, you got to do what you got to do to get through the day. And then we go ahead and, you know, we get to do some stuff that we enjoy a little bit more. And uh, guys, if nobody is following Ted at uh, Football Film Analysis, uh, I'm at FB Film Analysis, uh, Ted eats well. Nobody eats meals like Ted eats. So even even if the football's great, but when Ted sits down and goes to a restaurant, my God, he gets himself a solid, solid plate. Uh, Ted, first thing I want to get in here to today is roughing the passer. Um, it's it's been it's been a, just terrible to this point. I, I don't know what the league thought they were doing by what they put out today, and it, it gets tough. Obviously, you know, have the uh, defensive line for the Miami Dolphins. William Hayes ended up tearing an ACL because he tried to lay up, you know, off of taking a quarterback down to avoid a penalty. We're in a tough spot here. Look, I understand the quarterbacks are a prized commodity of the NFL, but at the same respect, though, you can't have people risking injury. To protect the quarterback, in when the whole point of the game is, it is to tackle someone and get them to the ground by any means necessary. No, I mean I understand. Yeah, like you said, I understand the, the emphasis behind it. They're trying to protect the quarterback, and you know, at first they went with the no hitting the quarterback in the head rule. Then they went with the no hitting the quarterback too low rule. And it, it, I think it honestly made things a little bit better. But with this rule, I just don't see what defenders can do. I mean, yeah, they could twist out of the way, but what happens when a quarterback gets their leg twisted underneath somebody? Or we already saw it, uh, the, the William Hayes get hurt from trying to twist out, you know, out of the way to protect the quarterback. Um, so I just think that this is not a very well-researched move. Maybe if they had some science or something proving that, you could avoid, you know, avoid hurting a quarterback by twisting this motion. Then, then maybe yeah. But then I think they're just kind of like experimenting at this point, and hoping that this sticks. And it's kind of ruining the game because uh, these are big penalties to go from a sack, a potential game stop, drive stopping sack, to a first down. And we've seen it happen where it affected game, totally changed the game at the end of a game. Uh, so it's just. It's just not a very pretty look for the NFL right now, and it just doesn't seem well thought out. I mean, I think if you see a guy where it's very obvious and egregious where he's trying to add more pressure and body weight into a quarterback for an injury, then yeah, call it. But if it doesn't look like it, then don't call it. it, it they shouldn't. This penalty shouldn't be called that often. That, I think you make a great point with that, and that's what I think. I mean... 
Because when we get to the point where you get 98, 99% of the people reacting to one play going, what in the world was that? I think it's, you know, are you trying to save the quarterbacks or is the emphasis on making the rule? And, you know, look, I mean, you know, and almost all of these hits we're talking about, even with Clay Matthews, all these guys are getting up. So, and, you know, even the quarterbacks, they kind of got to be laughing almost like, all right, man, sure, no problem, man. If, if you're going to you're gonna keep me from having to take, you know, the hits that I'm getting paid $100 million to have to take, but it's just getting to the point where I think that they kind of, you know, they changed the rule, and then the worst part is, though, is that they emphasized it. It almost seemed like there were officials who were, you know, were in doubt, but as opposed when they were in doubt, okay, well, we're just going to throw the flag because we're not sure. Yeah, exactly, and I don't think it's the referee's fault. They they have to call it to see it. If that's the rule, that's the rule. It's but it's it's the league's fault. They have to change the language on the rule. They have to look into this a little further, or maybe revisit it in the next off season because it just doesn't seem very well thought out at this point, and it's really ruining the, the game day experience. And it's I mean it's tough on these pass rushers because they don't know what to do. Clay Matthews, well you know obviously prime example. Miles Garrett came out today and said, look. I'm not going to risk hurting myself. So, you know, basically with Miles Garrett saying that, he understands there could be 15 yards involved. He could understand there could be a fine involved. But, he's, you know, these guys are going to look at William Hayes and say, well, I'll take the 15 yards. I'll write the check. But I'm not going to risk my career. I'm not going to risk my money maker, which are my legs, which get me to do what I do. So, you know, Miles Garrett put that out there. And you know that this is kind of the way D-line coaches, I mean, we all know the way D-line coaches are. They're telling them, look, just do what you've been doing. Because if they don't know what the rule is, that means we don't know what the rule is. So just do what you've been doing. And look, if you make a great play and it ends up that we got to take 15 yards on it, uh, well, that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, it seems like they want for the defenders to gator roll the quarterback. But I guarantee you, when they start gator rolling, something bad is going to happen where mm-hmm. they either roll the quarterback into somebody else, they roll his leg underneath somebody else, or they hurt themselves trying to roll away from the quarterback. So, it you know, it just doesn't seem well thought out, and I could get, almost guarantee if if that's what defenders are going to do, something bad's going to happen. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's it, it's just, it's just an un, you know, it's, it, it's a big imperfection on the game right now. And the problem is, is I think the more they tweak with it, just the more confusing they make it for everybody. And some of these things, you know, the, the, some of these things are tough, though. I mean, you, when you talk about, if you've got a blitzing nickel cornerback on a Ben Roethlisberger, there's really only one way he's going to get him down. And that's with a real solid shot, you know, where he, he's going to be able to get all of his weight right to a midsection. The same thing with a guy like Cam Newton. So it's, I mean, I don't, maybe they, they, they're putting the rule towards defensive linemen, but the problem is, is, you know, that's not the only position that's rushing the quarterback and can be in there on the quarterback. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And these bigger quarterbacks, they're really going to benefit from this rule because guys are going to come in and try to tap them soft, and they're just going to rip away and you know get make a big play. Yeah, so it, it's tough, and you know we'll we'll see how it works out this weekend. Uh, actually, we we'll you know recording Thursday night, guys, so we'll probably see how this works out in about an hour or so. But who knows? Way, um, Ted, from an outsider perspective, obviously you do cover the NFL. Obviously, you know the Raiders as well. Uh, Cleveland Browns through three weeks. Well, I mean, two and a half weeks, I guess, is how much they played. One, one, and one. Um, give me some, like, you know. And I know you talk with a, I know you talk with a bunch of guys. I, you know, what are the outside thoughts of the Cleveland Browns to this point at one, one, and one? Uh, I think you're really starting to see a lot of that talent that they've drafted throughout uh, the last couple of years really start start playing well. I think they have 
one of the better defenses in the league, potentially, uh, you know, a top 10 unit. Uh, they have a bunch of talent on the d- defensive line, you know, starting with Miles Garrett, obviously, who I think could be one of the best uh, pass rushers in the league. Um, I love the Denzel Ward pick. I know a lot of people criticize the Browns for uh, the Denzel Ward pick, but he he was one of my favorite prospects coming out. And uh, I think the Browns are starting to see um, him play pretty well for them. Um, and, yeah, they just have a really – they have names all over the place. Jarvis Landry is obviously huge for them. Um, and, then you know, we just saw Baker Mayfield come in in that Jets game, and you saw the sort of natural talent he has as a quarterback and that unreal accuracy. Um, so they're starting to come together. I think Ty, you know, Tyrod Taylor might have – I don't know if his injury was affecting the way he played, but you could see there was proof that he was kind of holding the offense back. And, um, you know, Mayfield's not going to be that hot all the time, but you, you could see that he's just a better natural passer than Tyrod Taylor is. Oh yeah, it was it was night and day. I mean, because the first thing first, we were seeing areas of the field exploited that we saw nothing of with Tyrod. And for me, the the tough part was is you know Tyrod as the veteran was taking too many sacks. Tyrod as the veteran was throwing you know inopportune interceptions. Look, I can I can deal with you know turnovers; they're going to happen. But he was throwing them in big spots. Uh, Baker came in and came right out cooking. Uh, you know, was able to you know David Njoku. He's a guy that can really exploit the seams. Uh, and you'll help up, you know, help open up things outside. He was able to catch a, you know, a couple big balls, you know, uh, two catches for 40 yards, which you know helps out a lot because it opens up the field, you know, obviously for the wide receivers and the running backs. So it was big how that worked out. Uh, Denzel Ward, yeah, that's that was one for me. I like, I was really nervous about the pick, and it wasn't so much about Denzel Ward. It's just taking a cornerback at four, because you're taking a cornerback at four, you're expecting like a franchise cornerback, a guy who should make like you know an all two-decade team of your team all time. But with that being said, Denzel Ward has done everything that you can be expected of him as the number four overall pick. Uh, guys, since I've been hosting the show, I, I get a lot of questions, football-related questions. Most of the questions are, Jeff, who should I bet on this week? Or do you think this team's going to win? Look, I, I can't tell you <laughs> any more than you would know yourself. But what I can tell you is who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people, Go ahead, use my bookie. Trust me, these guys are the best bet this season. They've been in the business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile app is simple, easy to use. I would only recommend a site that has been good to me. I don't bet much, but when I do bet, I do use my bookie. You win, they pay. It's pretty simple in that respect. They have in-game, they have in-game live betting. Uh, one of my favorite components, and I always tell you guys, is that you can bet over-unders on fantasy players. You know, it's a Thursday night game. It's always something fun to do. You probably have one guy playing tonight, so why not go ahead and put some money on it? My, currently, my bookie is slammed with new members. So, uh, obviously, with uh, you get the one bonus from mybookie.com. They will match your initial deposit 100%. So, you put in 100, they're going to give you another 100, so 200. Any new memberships created after 7 p.m. Eastern, they will give you a, yet another $25. So for your initial $100 investment after 7 p.m. Eastern, you will get $225. Uh, so it gives you a lot to play with for a while. So use the new promo code, guys. New promo code, capital L, locked, capital O, on 25. Uh, visit MyBookie online today. It's The site is the way it's spelled, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E, MyBookie.com. You play, you win, you get paid. Now, Ted, with... 
the additions, I mean, I'm sorry, the biggest addition to Oakland this year, and it was a long time coming, and I, I think we got to the point where I don't think anybody really thought John Gruden was ever going to come back to the NFL. Finally, he has. Um, it, it's, you know, there's been a lot of jokes and a lot of, we've had a lot of fun, everybody with Twitter on it, and he likes the old guys, and this, that, and the other thing. How has John looked so far, and... The way the NFL is now, it, it, it just every year, everybody comes with more and more. And now we talk about how long John's been out of the game. How does it seem he's he's adapting? Because, I mean, this is almost like a guy coming out of prison for 12 years and getting back into the regular world. And, I mean, the NFL now, you know, it, it's so offensive-oriented, point-oriented. And, you know, and here's John after all these years finally deciding to come back. Yeah, um, you know, John Gruden, the personnel man, and John Gruden, the coach, are two different people. Uh, his personnel moves, obviously, are not, especially with, you know, the Khalil Mack trade, there's a lot of criticism for it, and rightfully so. Uh, but if you separate that from John Gruden, the coach, John Gruden, the coach, has been, I think, phenomenal so far. Uh, just watching his practices, watching his training camp, you could tell that he's done a lot of research, and he's thought out every little thing that, um, he he's implemented. Um, you know, he's been through just as a broadcaster. He's been doing all this research, uh, visiting all these teams, and you could tell all these ideas uh, he's thought about and considered and kind of put together in his own in his own ways of ca- um, coaching this team. Um, and you know, people made fun of him for the 1998 comment about his offense, but his offense is among the most innovative in the NFL as far as. Uh, being modern, using modern concepts, uh, mixing, uh, grabbing different concepts from other teams and putting it in this playbook uh, from week to week. Uh, his opening scripts have been excellent. They, they scored on mm-hmm. um, every – the offense looks explosive to begin the game uh, because his opening scripts have been so good and uh, the teams have been really prepared for what defenses are, uh, are bringing them. But he's been a little slow adjusting. I think maybe that's where the uh, time off has been um, – that has been hurting him a little bit just because he hasn't adjusted very well when defense has made adjustments. Uh, but I don't think he's, he isn't capable of it. I just think that, you know, it takes a little time, a little bit of time to get, to get that part of um, his mind going again. And um, it also has to do the, the slow adjustments and the, the second half slowdown down offense also has to do with um, the, offensive players themselves, Derek Carr, learning a brand-new system that could be very complicated. Um, so, you know, there's a little little bit of both go into it. But to answer your question, I think John Gruden, the coach, has done extremely well, and uh, there's, there shouldn't be any concern about the game passing him by. Okay. Well, that's good. And, and you know, and, and like you said, you know, obviously all three games, you know, with the halftime lead, and so you do make a lot of sense with, you know, maybe, you know, John's – maybe John's just needs to – just add a little bit more, you know, maybe sometimes, and to be able to adjust a little better at half. Um, you brought up Derek Carr. Uh, I'm a big fan. I've I've loved Derek Carr since the draft cycle. I never understood how he went in the second round. I love the fact that he basically said, I want to be an Oakland Raider. I want to go there. I want to correct what's been wrong there. Um, now, Derek, John, I, now this, this has the makings of it could be a really, really good relationship because Derek, Derek Carr is, is the buy-in guy, is the company guy. Um, week one, you know, John Gruden came out afterwards and said, no, 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 we need our quarterback to play a little better. Week two, Derek Carr played absolutely lights out. 
how 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 is Derek Carr adjusting so far with you know a guy you know as demanding as John Gruden? Uh, I think he loves it because Carr's a guy that wants more. He wants uh, he wants to be challenged. Uh, you know, he there was a thing uh, earlier in the offseason they were trying to beat each other to see who got to the office first. You know, uh, Gruden kind of notorious for uh, showing up to the office at three or four in the morning, and uh, Carr was trying to beat him there. So, uh, he loves to work. He loves being challenged, um, and you know you could see you could start. We're starting to see um, the, the Derek Carr's potential in this type of offense, which I think is a perfect fit for his skills. Um, but I also think that it's a very hard system to learn. Gruden could be Gruden's system has is a very high volume type of system where he just will throw a lot of plays, a lot of different checks at you. And he's just kind of picking this up right now. It's one thing to know it in your mind, but it's another thing to go out and execute it on game day. And, we, you know, there, there are drives where we see him just, just uh, be look completely dominant, look completely comfortable. And then there's times where they look a little un- uncomfortable. And, I mean, it's a weird thing, but the Raiders are six in yard, six in offense right now, uh, six in total yards in the league with 400.7 yards per game. But they're 28th in uh, points per game with 17.3. So they're moving the ball, but once they get to the red zone where you have to be more precise and that precision comes with a little more familiarity with the playbook, that's when they start kind of uh, sputtering out a bit. So uh, to answer your question, they, they looks like this could be a really good combination, but right now they're going through some growing pains. Okay, then next I want to go to, uh, obviously, you know, this franchise, Amari Cooper, was drafted you know, with the thoughts of, you know, I, I don't want to say being like a Julio Jones or whatever, but but production numbers of the top receivers in the game. Um, it seems like it's been a little bit of a lull here, you know, between that last year, this year a little bit. Uh, is Amari Cooper going to hit, you know, hit like, you know, most of us, and, you know, I, I was one of them. I mean, we all thought he was going to be fantastic. Or is he going to hit that plateau of, you know, the, the top 10 number one overall receivers in this league? Uh, that's hard to say. I mean, he, the, his first two years, he certainly looked, looked like it. And last year, everybody in the offense took a big step down. I just don't think Todd Downing was ready for, um, offensive coordinator job quite yet. And everybody in the, the offense took, um, had a big down year. Um, and this year he, you know, he had a big game. He was open a lot against the Rams, but Carr just couldn't find him. Um, in the second game, he had a big game against the Broncos. And against Miami, he just didn't have a good game. Xavier Howard, who is a very underrated corner, did a really good job of uh, covering him. And uh, he made a couple really boneheaded plays in that game as well. Uh, so I think Cooper could definitely be has – he has a talent to be a top-10 guy, but time's starting to run out on him. Uh, he needs to He needs to really step it up and play harder and just – there's there's a bunch of factors that go into his his numbers not being as great as they should be, but you you just can't keep making excuses for him. You want to see him just produce at the end of the day. Uh, So it's still early in this year, and like I said, they're still learning the system. I I really don't expect him. I said in the beginning of the year, I don't really expect his offense to take, uh, to hit his stride until week four or week five, and it's it's starting to get to that point. Uh, So, this is a huge year for him, and I I'd say we have to kind of wait it out and see how this year goes before we make a big finals judgment on Amari Cooper. 
Well, Ted, for my listeners' sake, I hope week five is the week this offense really starts. <laughs> Guys, you're listening on Lockdown Browns here uh, from the Athletic NFL. Ted Wynn covers the uh, Raiders, covers the NFL. Kind enough to join us here, get us all primed and prepped for Sunday's 4 o'clock game, which, uh, you know, Browns fans, we're not used to with a 4 o'clock start. So, guys, manage your beers that day. That's all I'm going to say. Don't start drinking at noon because you might not need to see the, you might not see the second half. Locked on NFL podcast. Matt Williams, Matt Williamson does a fantastic job. Uh, you know, Monday, you get the locked on host for the biggest stories of the day. Um, Tuesday, you get Sage Rosenfeld, former NFL quarterback. Wednesday, Mike Renner from PFF. Uh, Thursday, Mike Sando from uh, ESPN. Friday, Matt does his pick'em show, gives you you know his thoughts on who's going to win, you know, so you can go ahead and you use my bookie, place your money there. Matt Williamson, the Locked On NFL podcast guy, does a fantastic job over there. Put it into the rotation, my friends. Now, Ted, I do want to get to the defensive side of the ball, and and this is one, and and I've been saying this now for a couple of days when we've been talking about the Raiders. You know, yes, every game you've been in the lead at halftime. And so maybe if you had that elite pass-rushing specialist, maybe you could have found a way to eke out a win or two of these because, look, Khalil Mack is obviously still a baller and is the baller he always was. How tough was it, as you obviously as somebody who follows the Raiders, but how tough of a loss was it on this defensive unit? Well, it's huge. I mean, anytime you lose a guy that is – you could – argue that he might be one of the top five players overall in the entire NFL. That's uh, a player huge. of the year, and, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you they didn't get anything back that helps this team this year. They they got draft picks that could potentially help the team later down the line, but they don't have anything they didn't get anything back to help out this year. So you you, you have this gaping hole in the defense that hasn't been replaced and a bunch of young guys on a defensive line that have some potential, but they're still learning the game. Uh, the defensive line rotation is very thin, so they've been getting gassed out towards the end of the games. Um, it should be a little stronger with P.J. Hall coming back this week, but um, it's still not as strong as it should be, and they they have been gassed out. And I mean, a weird stat is the Raiders haven't trailed for one minute in the first three quarters of any game this uh, this season. Uh, but they've lost three games, so it's uh, it's a really weird. Has been a really weird season for the Raiders so far, and obviously, you know, losing Phil Max is a big part of that. Yeah, and it was just a tough blow. And and I just I don't know. It was it was I mean, look, I mean, whether it was the case, the money, this, that, and the other thing. Could, did it, this wasn't really on Khalil Mack, right? He he had every intention of staying in Oakland for the rest of his career, right? You know. I don't want to comment on that because okay, I if, don't, if, you don't know exactly what happens, you know, behind the scenes. Okay, um, a lot a lot of people are guessing what you know what happens, and you know, you can look it could look like one thing from the outside perspective, uh, but you know, it, we don't we don't know what happened be, really happened behind the scenes. Okay, so I mean, it could have been something that you know, and look, I mean, you know, it, it is weird, and that's one thing, but it, sometimes things don't get out. And it's weird now because we are usually in the position now with the NFL where everything gets out. If you want to find out what happened with the situation, you're going to find out. But, you know, Khalil Mack, you know, as much of a star as he is, everything always about him has been kind of quiet. So maybe it's a possibility. It's, you know, it was just a tough spot. Um, before we put a bow on this, I do want to ask you about the three uh, three key rookies. Uh, Colton Miller, uh, you know, questionable pick when it was made. 
Um, you know, but a lot like Josh Allen, Colton Miller's another guy who took a lot of hits during the draft process. But he's actually looked pretty good so far, no? Yeah, no, he's definitely looked a lot better than expected. His technique, you know, he, a, lot, a lot of people uh, were down on him because his uh, fundamentals and technique was uh, needed a total rebuild. And they didn't think that it could happen this year, including me. I didn't think it was, was going to happen that quickly. Uh, but he, he's, his technique is a much better than where it was when he was at UCLA. Um, but it's still not where it needs to be yet. It's still below average, I think. But he's so athletic that he's been able to recover and make up for initial bad pass sets uh, so far. Um, obviously, he's going to have a huge, huge challenge going against Miles Garrett. And I don't think that the Raiders be wise to trust him in too many one-on-one situations against Garrett as, as good as Miller has played. Uh, but he, he's definitely been a surprise. Yeah, well, that's the one thing. Obviously, you know, he's going to get, you know, obviously a, a real baptismal here. And this is kind of what the Browns anticipated, is they anticipated the fact that they were going to get to the point now where Miles Garrett is just going to usually see two blockers. So they upgraded the rest of the unit. Larry Ogunjobi's turned into be a really nice pass rusher on the inside. Uh, the rookie, Jannard Avery, has mixed in very nicely. Hopefully they get Emmanuel Agba back this week. But like I said, last week versus the Jets, it's going to be interesting with this Browns defensive line against the offensive line of the opponent for two weeks in a row. Because uh, this Browns defensive line, and, and I'm trying to start a movement here, Ted. I think this Browns defensive line is close to needing a nickname. So we're trying to work it on that. But uh, the two defensive line prospects, uh, obviously Maurice Hurst. It, it was a tough thing for Maurice Hurst. Uh, you know, when you get a medical like he did, it's just terrible. Here's a guy that never should have been drafted where he was. But Maurice Hurst, and then obviously you have almost like the opposite of Maurice Hurst. Maurice Hurst fell where he fell due to a medical. And then there was Arden Key, who was almost essentially a mystery inside a box with inside a bag. But tell me about the two rookie defensive linemen. Yeah, Mo Hurst has uh, he's looked good. He's flashed a bunch in every game. Uh, he's a sacker ready. Uh, he plays extremely hard. He he has a nonstop motor, and he's just he plays really really hard. He he had some trouble anchoring against double teams early on uh, in the off season and in the beginning of the season. But against Miami, he uh, he showed a much better technique handling double teams. I don't think that'll ever be a huge strength of his. Um, but he he looks quick and he looks explosive and he looks like he could be like a really good interior. Uh, lineman for the Raiders as far as pressuring the quarterback uh, but he, he has to play he, he the Raiders didn't expect him to play as much as he did because they were supposed to have Justin Ellis and PJ Hall in the yeah. rundown and rotate uh, Maurice Hurston there but he said because of injuries he's played a lot more and uh, he he's gotten kind of worn down in the second half a little bit because he, he should he shouldn't be a guy that's in on goal line situations but he's kind right. of forced into that role because of injuries um, but he, he's played well, and um, I think with guys coming back and having playing less snaps, he'll be, uh, he'll be more effective. And Arden Key is a guy that just really stood out at training camp. You could just see how the potential he has as a pass rusher. He's just so quick, and he uses his hands extremely well for a young guy. Uh, he, he's not very strong. He needs to gain some uh, weight and gain some muscle for sure, but he right now he's just a speed rusher. And he's another guy that was not expected to play that much. I mean, if Cleo Mack was there, then he'd be the, a situational pass rusher. Uh, but he's, he's had to play a lot more snaps than anticipated, and right now his body isn't exactly where you want to be for an every-down 
defensive lineman. Um, but uh, he, he, I think he's a guy that has a lot of potential, and he, he started to flash more in games two and three. So we'll see how he does against the Browns. Yeah, I mean, he was an interesting pick because I, we're coming to a point now here where, and obviously, you know, the Browns have almost a similar type of guy in Desmond Harrison. We get these guys, whether it's they're struggling with the ac- academics or they just don't want to deal with the academics, we get these guys who basically just want to find a way to get through the college years and get themselves to the NFL. So, you know, they, they end up with a bad rap during the draft cycle for it. And look, for whatever reason it is, if they struggle with the academics or it's just something they don't want to be bothered with, you know, at the end of the day, you know, only, you know, higher up front office personnel usually know that type of stuff. But there's some kids just trying to wade through that two and a half years, essentially trying to get themselves in position to get to the NFL. But, you know, Arden Key, uh, you know, was a really, really, really good player early in his career at LSU. So uh, I'm going to be actually, he's a guy I'm actually looking forward to see how he uh, looks on Thursday. I mean, I'm sorry, Sunday. I played one primetime game and all of a sudden I'm used to it, right? Um, as far as Sunday, <laughs> uh, what are you thinking, Ted? Uh, I mean, I know the Raiders are favored. I don't think the Browns are in a position yet where they should be favored on the road. I know my Browns listeners are a little upset, but let's guys, week by week, regardless. I said this last year when we were terrible. Week by week, my listeners. Um, I think the Browns should walk out of there with a win. But what does scare me, though, is a coach like John Gruden with a team backed in a corner like a wounded animal at 0-3. So I, I, I do... You know, as much as I think the Browns should win, I, you know, I'm smart enough to look at the factors that go into this. So, what do you think about the game? Uh, you know, how it might play out in general on Sunday. Well, I think that, you know, you know, Baker Mayfield has all the confidence in the world, and you you see how brash he is walking into road games when he was at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. But it could be a different thing in an NFL walking into that Oakland Coliseum with all these crazy fans for his first NFL start on the road. So I, as confident as he is, I think it's always going to be kind of a mystery factor how a young quarterback handles handles that. And um, against the Jets, the Jets weren't really prepared for for him. So now that there's film on Mayfield, and um, it's pretty obvious he loves hitting the seam, and he's extremely good at throwing that pass, uh, we'll see how the Raiders adjust to – uh, Baker Mayfield and have I think Paul Gunther is a really good defensive coordinator and we'll see how uh, how he does when a defense has a game plan for him and that's not saying anything bad against Mayfield I was a huge Mayfield guy when he was coming out of the draft uh, but it's just going to be a mystery of how a young quarterback handles all that um, also like you said the Raiders are pretty desperate and we talked about we talked about the offense. They've been moving the ball up and down the field. They just couldn't can't score. So we'll see if they could solve their uh, red zone issues at home. Uh, I I kind of think the Raiders have a chance to pull this one off. I, I think it'll be close. If I had to make a prediction, I, I'm thinking maybe 28 to 20. Um, but that that's how I see it. Yeah, and it's the thing. Like, I, I mean, I, 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 and I'll say I think the Browns should win this game. If you ask me to predict it, because that's what I think. I'm going to say the Browns are going to win this game. But look, there's a lot of factors, and then of course the other thing is, is I think about Buffalo Bills going into Minnesota last week, and you get that's when you get your reminder of it's the NFL. You know, it's it's never that easy mm-hmm. to predict. So uh, you know, I, I am I'm looking forward to it, and it's been great here because the fan base is really excited. 
and you see how much one win after 635 days means to a fan base. So uh, we've been having a lot of fun here talking about it. I'm really looking forward to Sunday. Um, I, I want to thank you for coming on here, Ted. Uh, you know, I know you have a, uh, I know you have a podcast because a good friend of our show, um, Mr. Jake Burns, uh, was just a recent guest. So go ahead, plug that, plug the work for me, Ted. Yeah, so I just started a podcast on the Blue Wire Network called The Coffee House Stunt. Uh, we just had Jake Brown on there to talk uh, previews and Browns matchups. Um, and yeah, it's I, I've been, I feel pretty good about it. We're four episodes in, and check it out. Okay, and obviously, guys, you know Ted does fabulous work over you know writing for the uh, Athletic NFL. Go ahead, follow him on Twitter at fbfilm underscore film analysis. I do want to thank Ted for joining me here this evening, guys. Go ahead, follow the show at Locked On Browns. We always keep the Twitter account a follow back account. You guys are great with all that. You know we get a lot of interaction over there. Love every second of it. Follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, guys, uh, next time, we, next, after this, the next show we will have will be the post game, and Pete Smith is able to join again, so we're going to try to keep that regular thing going for you. Uh, but until we talk, uh, after the final uh, gun on Sunday night, let's go Browns, LGB on the LOB.